0: So I'm not sure how you feel about this idea, but I am a person that wants my words to count. Have you ever felt that way? That you don't want to say something unless you really mean it? For example, I don't want to be the kind of pastor that talks with you after the church service and you share your heart about something very serious going on in your life. And I say, I'll pray for you, but then I just don't actually pray for you. I don't want to be the kind of person that's always just giving the cliche answers when you ask, so Phil, how are you doing? Great! I'm fantastic, when really I'm struggling in a particular area. I'm not saying I need to confess all of my deepest, darkest secrets and sins with every single person, but just I'm, I'm just not doing well. Could you pray for me? I, I would like to be the sort of person where my words count where they when they mean something. I, can, can you think of any cliches, phrases, or words that have been used so often, especially Christian cliches or phrases, that you just hear them so often that you're like, I don't even know what that means anymore. Having kids is great because sometimes... They remind you of how little you've stopped to think about what things mean. Oh, Daddy, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know, ask your mom. <laughs> or ask Siri. Let's Google it. Well, today I want to be that child to all of you. I want to ask you, what does it mean, blessing? What does that word mean? What does it mean to bless something? What does it mean to bless God? This word, this idea is all over the Bible. But do we even know what it's talking about? We're going to see that this is the central thrust of our last and final psalm in the Psalms of Ascent. So if you would turn with me to Psalm 134, page 519 in the black Bibles around you. Three short verses. In each of those verses, has the Hebrew word "bless." The songs of ascent, as we've been going through them, fifteen-week journey has now come to an end. It's you could say the last song on the fifteen-track album of God's people making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for three different festivals throughout the year, and they get to this last and final song. Most people seem to understand this to be the song they sang after all the festivities had ended, and they're about to head on home. Follow along as I read. A song of ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Simple, short psalm. I think it's obvious even if you just read it again real quickly, you see verses 1 and 2 is an invitation to the servants of the Lord, whom we'll explain who that might be in a minute, but... An invitation, come, the the word here is actually the Hebrew word that's translated elsewhere, even in Psalm 133. Behold. See that first word in Psalm 133, verse 1? Behold how good and pleasant it is. That's the same word that starts 134, verse 1. It's not just come or look. It's behold. Get someone's attention. Wake up. Hey, pay attention here. Behold, behold. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, those who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. So there's your first two verses. They they go nicely together. They're an invitation to behold and bless God. Then, verse three, things get flipped over. Instead of us blessing the Lord, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So, very simple psalm, simple structure. But that's why I want to just step back and ask, what, what does this even mean? So first question, if following along in terms of an outline, I'm going to just ask, what does the word bless mean? As a nation, we have popular slogans and sayings, cliches, God bless America. We have a song that goes along with that title. If someone sneezes, we say, bless you, God bless you. It's a very interesting story how that came about. If you want, research it sometime. My kids were actually some of the people that told me a little bit more of that story during the great plague. People would say, bless you, anytime they sneezed because they thought the sneezing would spread the plague all around. So they would say, bless you, I hope you don't die. It's kind of morbid and serious. We think of it a lot less serious than that. Some... Christian traditions will have priests bless water or other objects and make them sacred, special, set apart. The blessed holy water, for example. This word is all around us, whether it's Christian tradition, America, 4th of July, God bless America. It's all over young people's social media accounts. The New York Times recently ran a story that social media's one of the most common hashtags or words used in social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, is the word blessed. The writer of the column says that this word is mostly used by younger people and not at all for religious purposes, since most young people today don't even have a religious affiliation. Instead, they're using the word to say maybe they got lucky. Oh, I'm blessed. I didn't have to wait in line. Oh, I'm blessed. Traffic was minimal. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I had this wonderful meal, and simply put, it seems like young people today are using the word blessed to simply say, look at me and look at how great my life is or how gorgeous I am, as they take millions of selfies and write blessed underneath of them. The columnist said, it's almost like young people are trying to be humble as they're unashamedly promoting themselves constantly. Blessed, blessed. What what are we talking about in social media, young people, if you're doing this? I'm not telling you to stop. I'm just saying, what does it mean? Prosperity preachers abuse this word and talk about how if you have enough faith, then God will just so richly bless you with ten or a hundred times what you gave to God. Then even genuine, well-meaning Christians use this word all the time, too. I imagine some of you downstairs, as you were praying together around your tables, you might have even used this word, bless so-and-so, bless their travels, bless their family. It's almost like when you don't know what else to say, just say, bless them. How often have you said, oh, it was such a blessing? I'm guilty. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just asking, do we know what we're talking about? Last week's sermon title, I listened to the message, I thought David did a... Wonderful job expositing Psalm 133. So thankful for that brother's service to us all. Notice the sermon title is The Blessings of Christian Unity. So whether you're a Christian or you're not, whether you're at embassy or somewhere else, this word is all around us. In the Hebrew, the word sounds just like our president's first name, Barak. That's, That's how the Hebrew word is pronounced, Barak. It is very difficult when the word is used hundreds and hundreds of times to try and do a word study. But on top of that, you'll also notice that if you kind of step back and look at the whole Bible, you'll notice that this word, Barak, is used at the most important moments of the Bible. So if you follow the storyline of Scripture, you begin in Genesis, and you notice right away God made animals and fish, and he blessed them. Then he made male and female in his image, and it says he blessed them. And then on the seventh day, he rested, and he blessed it. Creation is full of God pronouncing his blessing all over it. We see the exact opposite word used in Genesis 3 to describe how sin comes into the world. We don't receive blessing, but what? The ground is cursed. The woman is cursed in childbearing. The, The serpent is cursed could really tell the whole story of Scripture with this theme of blessing and curse. Cain was cursed for killing Abel. But then in God's kindness, he blesses Noah's family. And then more importantly and significantly, you get to Genesis chapter 12. And how does Genesis chapter 12 begin? God chose Abram out of the land of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the land of Ur. He he grabs a single guy out of his family, and he says, I'm choosing to barack you. But here's the funny turning point of the story. All up until this point, we've either seen God's blessing or God's cursing, and it's all been divine, which primarily we should think of blessing as God's initiation. But here he says, I'm going to bless you so that you will barack other people. In fact, the whole world Here the story of Scripture starts to really pick up some steam and speed. The rest of Genesis is primarily about this particular blessing that's given to Abraham passing down to Isaac. And then not Esau because Jacob stole the blessing, if you remember that story. Two twins fighting inside of each other's mother's womb. Esau was born first. He deserved the blessing that came from Jacob or came from Isaac. But Jacob, with his mother's help, stole the blessing from his brother Esau. So from Abraham, Isaac, down to Jacob, Genesis is really, if you wanted to sum it up, a story about how God made a world and blessed it. And as sin came into the world and curse came into it, God is going to reverse the curse through the family of Abraham as the blessings passed down. There's the whole book of Genesis for you. So as we look at this idea of what blessing is then through not just Genesis, but again, it would take hours and hours, and I'm just giving you a brief overview of the beginning story of the Bible, so I hope you all are pleased that we're not going to keep going and spend the next two hours talking about all the instances of blessing throughout the Old Testament or New Testament. But What we see is that the blessing in the Old Testament in particular, land, children, authority, and rest are the primary recipient blessings. This is the things that are being gained when God blesses or when the blessing of Abraham is being spread, the the land promise, the children and descendants, the authority that his name will extend, and God's protection through preserving a people. And then finally, rest and peace When you finish the Old Testament, you'll notice that much of the blessing revolves around these things, and it very much has material blessings in mind. So if you heard me earlier, rightly, I said prosperity preachers abuse the word bless. They don't understand that the Bible has a trajectory of this blessing, and that at the New Testament, this trajectory takes another turn. So they take these Old Testament blessings about prosperity and about Material blessings and start attaching them to you and me today, which they probably shouldn't. Not in the way they're doing, at least. The New Testament's focus is much more on spiritual blessings than it is the material blessings. Take the familiar words of Matthew chapter 5 as Jesus, being the new Moses, the new lawgiver, stands on a mountain. Have you guys ever put those two things together? How does Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount begin? It begins with Jesus standing on a a large hill, a mountain you could say. Who was the first lawgiver standing on a mountain receiving God's law and giving out blessings and curses? Moses. So Jesus, the new Moses, the new lawgiver, stands on a mountain and gives blessings and curses. They're called the Beatitudes. Do you remember them? Listen afresh. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Luke's parallel account when Jesus is teaching probably the same exact sermon but just in a different location doesn't just give blessings, he also gives the curses. Cursed are you. you don't help others and you're selfish, et cetera, et cetera. Did you notice as I was reading these blessings from Jesus how different they are from prosperity preaching, for example? Blessed are those who are poor. Call yourself blessed. Hashtag blessed. I'm poor in spirit. Somebody just cussed me out for being a Christian. Hashtag blessed. I think we should start a new campaign. What do you guys think? You see, the the trajectory of the story of Scripture is that God was going to use Israel at a certain time and way, and that he was going to spill out and pour out all kinds of material blessings of prosperity. As Jesus comes onto the scene, he is going to reorient their minds, not toward material blessings, but the spiritual blessings that are found in the new heavens and the new earth, so that those people that are a part of his kingdom would live these upside-down kind of blessings and curses and realize that their hope is finally in heaven. So therefore, they can say no to all the things of this world. They don't need to wrap themselves up in material things, but rather the meek, the poor in spirit, the mourning, the merciful, those who are hunger and thirsting, those who are persecuted and being reviled against. Those are the people who will be blessed. All this begs the question, so what is blessing? Blessing. In sum, they're powerful pronouncements given in relational contexts to accomplish good or, if it's a curse, to accomplish harm. It would be my shorter definition of blessing, a powerful pronouncement in a relational, and in the Bible's term it would be called covenantal, but in a relational context. And they're meant to accomplish something. These pronouncements are not just well wishes, hope you have a great day, good luck. They're meant to accomplish good or accomplish harm. Do you long to be blessed? Whether you realize it or not, I think we all need to come to grips with the fact that we were made to be blessed. God made us this way. And we're all in our hearts longing for blessing. Whether it's the relational affirmation that my mom and dad approved me on this Father's Day, how many of us would love to hear our Father say, I am so proud of you to receive the blessing of our Father? Similarly, some of us are chasing after material blessing What is it that you're after? What blessing are you longing for? And have you started to realize how much of your life is revolved around seeking and longing after this proverbial blessing? How many sins do you think you could trace back to? You're basically longing to be affirmed or blessed with a pronouncement of a loving relationship in a prosperous future. That's what we all want. So do you know where to get it and where to find it? Before we answer that question, let's move on to question number two. The majority of our psalm uses this term, blessed, to bless God. This is question number two. If blessing is a pronouncement that accomplishes some good... How in the world is it that we're blessing God? Now, the first question was a little more easy to answer. This second question has really racked my brain a lot, and I'm just going to invite you into that this morning, because I don't necessarily know that even when you read scholars and commentators that there's really great clarity on what it means to bless God. We know for certain that whatever blessing God is, we're not improving Him. I think we can all safely agree that. There is no sense to which when we honor God or bless Him in whatever it means to bless God, that He is somehow insufficient or lacking something, and we're going to offer Him something that He now needs. Listen to the way one Scholar um, Jared Wilson in his commentary on the psalm says, we might debate the theological accuracy over the expression of blessing God and how its effect is on a complete and unchanging God. But we cannot deny the passionate desire that God's people had throughout the psalms to give good to God and that these expressions represent that. Therefore, he concludes, to translate Barak as praise deflects and obscures the issue and ultimately waters down the intent and purpose of the original language. You see, this is what I kept reading all week. Bless is just another synonym for praise. Praise God. In fact, some of you, if you have different translations, you'll see, come, praise the Lord. Lift up your hands to a holy place and praise the Lord. And so, what the translators are doing is not translating the word Barak, they're translating it and saying that just basically means praise. Gerald Wilson says this waters down the intent, it obscures the issue. There is a passionate desire to give back to God something, even if it doesn't change him or help him or if he needs it, because he's God and he's unchanging. I think it's honestly just like what happened a few moments ago as I introduced the offering. The pronouncement blessing is similar to the sacrificial blessing or offering that we give to God. So when you are pronouncing to God something like goodness toward Him, it's like you giving money to Him and, well, that's His money anyway. So any things you say or any things that you could try to help him, it's really just receiving back what he already has and already owns. So, blessing God in a pronounced way, like pronouncing with your mouth, is returning back to something that he has already given to us. But here's the encouraging part about this psalm, I think. God is inviting us to bless him. Come. Come. Behold, bless him. Now, some people might argue, well, not us. This is Psalm 134. Notice very clearly, Pastor Phil, verse 1 says, the servants of the Lord should bless the Lord. And there's debate whether these servants are just the general congregation of people, or whether or not these are the servants that are specified Levites, the priests essentially, that work in the temple, which it seems they're standing in the house by night, which if you read through First Chronicles, you'll see that the Levites, after they had got the ark to the temple, their job was to just stay and keep watch over the ark by night and bless the Lord. So I would tend to think that these servants are in fact those Levites who worked in the temple and had an official position of like, my job is today and night Bless the Lord. Either way, the Old Testament story tells us that you and I are now priests. We now are servants of the Lord, and so therefore all of us should be worshiping the Lord and blessing Him day and night. We want to not just be in God's general presence, but God is inviting us into His holy place, to his house, to his near presence. Have you ever been in a room with this many people, hundreds of people, and there's like a VIP in the room? You know, some famous person. When you're in the room with them, you're in their general presence. But you see, the way the Bible talks about God's presence is not just that we're in God's presence generally. Like, all of us are in the presence, like we're all in the same big room or auditorium with a VIP. But the blessing of God's presence that's being asked for you to come and bless the Lord in His holy temple is an invitation to come and shake His hand, to see His face, to get close to Him. So now have you had that experience... Not just being in the general room like, yeah, I was in his presence. We were in the same place at the same time. No, we we talked. We sat down at the same table. We had fellowship together. We were close. God in this psalm is calling, come, behold, bless the Lord in close proximity to him. See, this is the wonderful truth here is that God is inviting you and me to be near him. So I ask you, are you going to accept or reject this invitation this morning? Come. Come near him. Or does the idea that God's presence and him inviting to bless him in his presence turn you off and like, no, thank you for that invitation? It did C.S. Lewis, it did Oprah Winfrey. Do you know C.S. Lewis was eventually going to be a professor and a writer of apologetics and Christian fiction novels and a world-renowned author, but he was slow to come to Christ because, as he explains in his book on the Psalms, one of the greatest obstacles he had was that he said the demand of God to praise him, that God saying, come, bless me. I mean, these these are God's words. Come, bless me. That demand all through the Psalms turned him off. He said this, I quote, it was like a craving of a vain woman who wants compliments all the time. That's the way C.S. Lewis felt about these verses like Psalm 134, verses 1 and 2. Look at me. Hashtag, look at me. Oprah Winfrey was... Describing how in her early teenage years, she was in a church service and the preacher was talking about the attributes of God, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, and on and on and on. And then he got to this verse, the Lord is a jealous God. Oprah said that she was caught up in the moment until he said, jealous. Jealous, she thought. Something struck her. She said she was thinking God is omnipresent, God is great, God is kind, God is gracious and wonderful and powerful, but jealous? A jealous God? How is God jealous of me? Something just didn't feel right in my spirit, she said. God is love, and He's not jealous. But Exodus 34, 14 says, you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. In other words, God demands that you, me, Oprah Winfrey, C.S. Lewis, and every creature on the universe worship Him alone. If we give any worship to anyone or anything else, and we don't repent of our sin for worshiping created things rather than the Creator God, God's wrath will consume us because He is a jealous God, Deuteronomy 4.24. For the Lord is a consuming fire and a jealous God. See, this turns people off. Turned Oprah off. The jealousy of God? Worship me. Just seems so vain. Vain as John Piper has so eloquently and helpfully explained in basically everything he's ever written. God is the one being in the universe for whom self-exaltation is not only, is not, 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 not only, is not, self-exaltation for God is not an act of a needy ego, but rather infinite love and gift. Wrap your mind around that today, that God's act of self-exaltation, his command is bless, bless me, is an act of love. The reason God seeks our praise is not because he won't be fully God until he gets it, Piper explains, but that we won't be happy until we give it, The reason God seeks our praise is not because He won't be God until He gets it. He's just needing our praise so desperately. It's that we will not be happy until we give it. Therefore, this is not arrogance. This is God's grace, and He is not an egotistic mania. He is the most loving creature in all of the universe. In other words, we will be blessed... When we bless God. He's inviting you, essentially, to be blessed by blessing him. You will find your greatest delight and joy and satisfaction if you stop looking at everything else and fix your gaze and behold and bless him. What a loving God that he would command us in these verses to say, look at me, behold me. It seems really weird because we should never say that about ourselves, but there is one who should say that about himself, because there's only one for whom his infinite glory will satisfy all the longings and cravings and desires of our hearts. Every day you and I settle for crumbs when God is giving us a banquet feast. Stop trying to find blessing in the material things of this world, or in the affirmations of your co-workers or your boss, or even your, your earthly father, realize that God is offering to you eternal blessings. Third and final question, how do you get God's blessing? How do we receive this? I think one of the clues is that Psalm 134 is our 15th and final psalm in our series of the songs of ascent. They're ascending up as a, a journey. Ascent literally means steps or degrees uh, or rising up. So people from all over the land of, of Israel would have been climbing and journeying up to Jerusalem for these festivals and these feasts. And do you realize the blessing of Aaron, that's pretty much what seems to be quoted here in verse 3. Almost every commentator says verse 3 is kind of a shorthand of the blessing of Aaron, the final pronouncement, may the Lord bless you. This service, the final thing you're going to hear is the blessing of Aaron in Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his countenance, his face shine upon you and give you peace. If you've been in church, you've probably heard that a, a thousand times how do you receive this blessing we'll realize psalm 134 the last psalm is as they're heading home they've already done the sacrifices which means similarly in numbers chapter 6 blessings that are pronounced on the people come after the sacrifice therefore the ironic Aaronic as in Aaron, the blessing of Aaron quoted here in Psalm 134 is after they've finished all of their f- festal sacrifices. The sins have been atoned for, therefore the priest can say, now may the Lord bless you. We can only come near to God and have this close presence and shake hands and sit at his table and be blessed by him unless we have first gone through a sacrifice. And we know that all of those animal sacrifices could not do what Jesus Christ's death and resurrection has done for us. So as Hebrews chapter 10 says, we have great confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. This new and living way has been opened up for us through the curtain that is through Jesus' flesh. Since he has become a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Draw near. Get close, personal. He's inviting you in, in both the Old and New Testament, to draw near to him. For Jesus Christ blesses from Zion. Zion is shorthand or a synonym for Jerusalem. God's blessing was in a certain place in the temple And we know that Jesus Christ, he was the new temple and his body was given for us outside of Jerusalem. So from Zion, you will be blessed. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, you will be blessed. Or as Galatians 3 is going to so eloquently put it, through the curse of Christ, you will be eternally blessed forever. In this case, it's not an animal that gets cursed and slaughtered and receiving the punishment of sin. In this case, it's God's Son, Jesus Christ himself. So as we see, the Lord of heaven and earth blesses. He blesses from Zion, the place where Jesus would walk, would say, I am going to destroy this temple in three days, raise it back up again. And just outside those city gates would hang on a cross with outstretched arms and receive the curse, because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? So that you and I could receive the blessing today. Overwhelming gratitude and a desire to say, I just want to bless God back, is the appropriate response to such amazing good news. It's not going to give him anything that he doesn't already have, but it is the appropriate response. Friend, have you ever responded that way in your heart, with your hands, with your life? I just want to bless God back, and I want God to be a blessing through me, as he has commanded us. I want to close with a story that I told at the church last week. It really touched my heart of this idea of a sacrificial blessing. It's a story I heard from a, a pastor. He's now in Peoria, but in the St. Louis area, he was a president of Covenant Theological Seminary. His name's Brian Chappell. So I don't know if you've heard of him, but anyway, former president of Covenant Seminary, current pastor in Peoria. While he was in the St. Louis area as the president of that seminary, he heard a news story. So this is a true story about these two boys And these two boys were a little rambunctious. Go figure, huh? Two young boys that like to get themselves in trouble. They were told that they should stay away from the banks of the Mississippi River down by where they lived because there was this one spot that, for whatever reason, and I don't know all the logistics behind it, to preserve the river, they would drudge up a lot of the sediment and the soil from the bottom of the river, and they would place it off to the side to keep things maintained and in order. What this did was it created kind of a quicksand area that you wanted to stay away from. So mom and dad were clear to say, listen, when you go down and you want to do whatever, stay away from that area. After not returning home for quite some time, mom and dad are very concerned. So they go and they try and find all the normal spots. And they're like, we should probably go to the quicksand spot. They walk up and they see their youngest son, and the sand, the sediment, and all the soil is is, is up to his chin like this. They start digging. He's already lost consciousness and stopped breathing. They're able to pull him out, resuscitate him, and and he was alive. It was great. It's like amazing. So the first question they ask him is, where's your brother? And these are the words that just haunted me all last week when I came across this story. He I've, said, I've been standing on his shoulders. And as you hear about that story, you know, just knowing me, I'm, I'm a younger brother, and thinking about my brother sacrificing his life for me like that, it just, just kind of ripped me to the heart. And then that's when I thought, the ground that got cursed. Jesus Christ, in a much greater, infinite way, sacrificed his life so you and I could stand on his shoulders so we could be blessed, so we could have life. He experienced death, so you could have life. He went down into the grave and into the dirt so that you and I could be risen above and rescued and saved. Friends, if that doesn't lead you to want to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, that the God of, who made heaven and earth from Zion would come down, and he would become dust. He would return down into the sediment of the ground, the cursed ground, and He would receive that curse for us on a cross. He'd be pulverized, receive God's wrath so that you and I could experience blessings forevermore. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, what can we say but Bless your holy name. We bless you for all that you are and all that you've done. We want to pronounce and give back to you all the gratitude that's flowing up within us that you would be our older brother like that. Sacrifice yourself for us. God, we give you thanks and praise this morning. Infinite thanks. Is there ever enough Sundays that we can gather together and say, thank you, God. We bless your name. We give praise to you. Heap up praises. You are so worthy of our praise. All the glory do your name. We want to give to you now, God. Thank you for the invitation to come. Thank you for the invitation that you're not far off some distant land, but you're from Zion. You come near. You come down to the earth, and you bless people here on this earth. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for that gift of his life, his death, his resurrection. Thank you for his ascension into heaven. And as he stands before the disciples, he he raises his hand and he blesses them. God, thank you for the blessing of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.